What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about Michigan athletics. Thank you for tuning in from wherever you may be listening. My name is Tony Garcia. I cover Michigan for the free, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, who covers both Michigan and Michigan State. He's our Big Ten insider, Reiner Sabin. And Reiner, personally, this is always one of my favorite weekends of the year. I mean, after nine months, football is back. But I have to imagine that you probably have some mixed feelings because you had to do the night game in East Lansing on Friday, turn around, handle Michigan all day yesterday. (laughs) We're now on the other side of that. How are you feeling? Do you have coffee near you? Yes, I drank lots of coffee. I was completely exhausted. I couldn't even stay up for uh, Pac-12 at night. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was rough. It was rough, but I made it through and. Week two is a little going to be a little bit easier, so maybe it'll be easier for Michigan State and Michigan as well. You missed uh, you missed some good action late at night. I uh, the last I tuned in was uh, my eyes were shutting as Wyoming was finishing its comeback double overtime over Texas Tech, who I'll be dropping out of my AP rankings. I think I had them like twenty four. I wasn't even going to put them in, and then. And I was like, oh, my God, I need more Big 12 in here. This is why I didn't do the Big 12. I didn't want TCU in there either. And we talked about this at the end of last episode. I don't know if I I didn't pick Colorado to win, but I was very worried about TCU and what they brought. I don't know how this became now a Big 12 podcast, but I'm going to bring it back because really I, I was able to get into that diatribe because clearly football is back um, finally. And we have so much to talk about. And of course, that's Michigan's 30 to three hammering uh, of ECU. It would have been a shutout. Uh, But Mike Houston went for the moral victory points at the end, which I thought was funny. Um, So lots to get into. Here's how we'll do it. Um, Segment one, as always, is our three things. And uh, those three things uh, to us is that this offense is not your father's Michigan offense. It's not even last year's Michigan offense. So that's one. Number two, take a look at the defense, uh, breaking down what stood out to us, the, the rotation of the defensive line, secondary injuries, those things. And then third, uh, how the coaching staff handled, uh, an unusual week and and tried to make it as usual or normal as possible. Then we take a break. And on the other side, Reiner, this would not be a Michigan football podcast if we did not talk about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, He watched the game at Sharon Moore's house uh, and his team had a number of tributes to him. Uh, There were many mixed reactions to that on the interwebs. So discuss that, put a bow on that. And then last but not least, we need to talk a few emailers off the ledge. Sounds good. I think, you know, again, this will be, uh, you know, we can't take away a ton from this game. I mean, it's it's hard to make some huge, you know, rash pronouncements, I guess, about what this means for the whole season. But it was indicative. Maybe uh, there were there were some signs of what we may see going forward. And so, um, you know, again, it's hard to make some huge conclusions because they're playing. Uh, a team that's clearly inferior at the same time there were some things that really stood out that you know kind of indicative of what they've been talking about throughout the off season and uh so that kind of uh verified some of that stuff that was said uh prior to this game and so that i think was important to kind of see actually play out in real time no doubt. It's it's the week one song and dance every year, right? Like how much is the opponent? How much is, is the overreaction? How much is rust? I mean, I mean, you never get to know. And then week two, things sort of tip the other way, right? You see how far you reacted to this or reacted to that. And then week three, a lot of times is when you sort of get to see the pattern. That's when, when the patterns develop. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Michigan certainly, uh, I mean, made some statements in this game. And, and, and number one is that the, the J.J. McCarthy hype was not overboard. Uh, they, I mean, they were they were using a number of hyperboles uh, in, in the offseason, uh, saying it looked like he was playing a video game, uh, saying he's the best. I mean, Jesse Minter yesterday said he told J- JJ earlier this fall he's the best leader, most consistent, even keel leader he's ever seen. Jesse Minter came from the Baltimore Ravens, who've had some pretty good <laughs> good leaders uh, th- th- throughout the years. And so, um, Reiner, I mean, 87% completion, three touchdowns, 280 yards. Uh, his two incompletions in the first half were a drop and a, and a miscommunication. Uh, that was that was as good as it gets. Yeah, it's what you wanted to see out of a player in his second full year or second year as starter. I want to say full year because he had to. You go if you remember 
uh, week one last year, Cade McNamara actually was the starter and they were still going through the uh, quarterback competition. So now, you know, he looked like he was free and unencumbered, uh, which is what I kind of wrote about, uh, you know, for today's paper uh, and, you know, the immediate reaction from my standpoint was the fact that he did play like a, a quarterback who was liberated um, in some ways and uh, kind of free to play his ball the way that he does it, does it. I mean, you know, you saw the full J.J. McCarthy experience. I mean, he was uh, using his legs to extend plays. I mean, he was throwing the ball into tight windows. There, there was a little bit of risk involved, but, you know, that's part of his game, uh, you know, where he will uh, – you know, try to try to fit the ball into tight windows and use his arm to his advantage and do stuff that maybe, you know, some other quarterbacks aren't even capable of. And so uh, and he did it extremely well in, in week one, which only bodes well for Michigan's chances going forward. That third touchdown pass on third and 11 to Roman Wilson in the back corner of the end zone is an elite, elite throw. And he had about five of them. <laughs> it felt like, and it felt like a handful of them were to Roman Wilson, and 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 yeah. that's and he he's another person who, who I who I'd like to touch on. While while JJ uh, made a huge statement, I there were a number of questions also in, sur- surrounding this passing game about sort of who was going to be that number one guy. Now, I mean, obviously Wilson got the number one in fall camp, which is sort of anointing him as as that person. But I mean, I guess I'll just speak for me personally. I know he's very talented, but I did have questions about his consistency, namely because of his size. Uh, I mean, that's not it's not a, a slot receiver, an undersized slot receiver is not a typical uh, sort, sort of number one big, big body guy. Um, yep. That's just one. But and two, he, he had never been consistent. So he had he had the breakout with TCU where he had five catches, 100 yards. He ran in a touchdown. Yes, we know. We think he had another one. He was ruled short on the inch line. Then Kyle Mullings fumbled. Uh, but um, but, but that was one game. And then in the four weeks prior, or excuse me, the five weeks prior, he had four catches for 19 yards combined, right? And that was the last we had seen Roman Wilson. So to see this Roman Wilson, six catches, 72 yards, career high, three touchdowns, and, and getting separation – uh, may, I mean, catching the ball with, with his hands. I know that sounds like a weird sentence, but not just looking it in. I mean, he was he was go, he was he was going and grabbing the ball. I mean, a lot of times there wasn't a ton of traffic around him, but he looked like a number one receiver to me. Yeah, I mean, and I think he, you know, in, in the last couple of years, he's been impeded by injuries, and you know, again, he was uh, there was Ronnie Bell, who was a similar type of player in in some ways, uh, even body type i mean you can uh roman's obviously quicker faster um you know maybe more athletically gifted but um you know again there were there were things that were kind of preventing him from breaking out including the the style of offense i mean again last year they were you know determined to run the ball as a you know again referencing another piece i wrote i mean the fact is is that they uh ran 116 times and threw it 76 times in the non-conference portion last year. I mean, this was a complete change in how they went about things. Um, it really seemed like they weren't so stubborn trying to, you know, you know, run the ball and just, you know, stay true to that identity. I mean, it, it seemed like there was a departure here where they, you know, were going to, uh, take what the defense gives them. And in this case, ECU was, you know, loading up to stop the run. And J.J. McCarthy uh, saw that. And Kirk Campbell seemed to see that. Uh, the acting offensive coordinator was Jerome Moore uh, serving a one-game suspension. And so, uh, you know, that that combination, it seemed like there was a a push by Michigan to do that. But they also recognized what ECU was doing. And hence, you saw... Um, an intri- interesting and intriguing performance from J.J. McCarthy where he threw the ball 30 times and actually had more throws by the time he left than Michigan had runs, six more throws. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. When he left, 30 pass attempts, 24 rushes. It did finish at 31 and 31, and it's funny. That's how it ended when <laughs> Jim Harbaugh and Jerome Moore both said all offseason long that we want this to be a 50-50 offense. It's not going to end perfectly 50-50, but it's funny. In week, in week one, uh, that, that, it, that it did. And just more for 
to to get further into, I guess how how it happened and and sort of what it means. How liber I like the word you use, liberating for JJ McCarthy, probably rewarding or just a sigh of relief for for people who who support the program because. Um, I mean, I mean, in years past, I know pre-show you and I were talking, we referenced sort of the Army game in 2019, right, where, yes, Michigan won and they escaped uh, a, a very talented team. But they were I mean, they were just insisted on hammering away. Right. And just and and not deviating from a game plan or, or from from your M.O., from from what you are known for. Blake Horam said it post game. He's like he's like, if I wanted I like if, if we wanted, I could have run for 100 yards or if we wanted. Donovan could have run for hundred yards. That doesn't mean he was not trying when he was handed the ball. It means he was only handed the ball 10 times. If they wanted to give it to, and he ran for 73 yards. If they wanted him to get his hundred yard mark, they could have done it. But he said, why would we do that? When we got, when we got JJ and Roman taking, taking, taking the top off, there, there's, there's just simply no reason to do this. And, and it wasn't just Roman Wilson, right? Cornelius Johnson, very solid day, five grabs, 71 yards. Colston Loveland getting in the mix, four grabs, another, another 57 yards. Um, I mean, even Frederick Moore, true freshman uh, with a couple grabs. So, I mean, McCarthy was moving it around, mixing it around. And it, there, it feels like there almost is no ceiling for this offense because their limiting factor in, in many ways, but, but, I mean, before McCarthy, what was that top level quarterback? Now they have it. Their limiting factor was the willingness to let him do all the things that that an offense can do when you have someone like that at sort of sort of at the pulling the the trigger. And now, now if they're letting him do that, look what can happen. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, uh, it, it's uh, it's intriguing. I mean, with the way that they've approached things in the past. I mean, obviously that army game, you know, the, you alluded to, um, it, it seemed like they played into army's hands and, you know, almost, it almost cost them in that game. I mean, you know, this, you know, we're, you know, they're not allowing, uh, you know, the defense, uh, they're not going to play in the defense hands by, because every, every team knows that Michigan wants to run the ball and that's, you know, Jim Harbaugh's MO. But here, you know, this shows to, you know, opponents that, hey, you know, we can also throw it too, and we're willing to throw it. And I think that's good, I mean, going forward, because, again, uh, teams will be less reluctant to stack the box. So maybe, you know, there will be, uh, you know, a kind of back and forth, as, you know, J.J. McCarthy alluded to. He said, you know, again, you know, if they know the answer, we'll change the question. And I think that's that's true. I mean, it's like, we're not, you know, we're not going to do just one thing and we're not going to be 60, 40, you know, run pass. I mean, again, um, you know, maybe we'll be 60, 40 pass run, you know, maybe we'll be 50, 50, it, you know, that's, that's what you want. You want, you want versatility in offense balance means, you know, defenses can't, you know, pick up on your tendencies and, you know, that's also balance in the passing game. You're not throwing just little short dinky dunk routes. You're, you know, you're, you're throwing deep passes and, you know, those, that's the other thing you want to diversify all aspects of uh, the offense, you know, from, you know, the passing game to the running game and how you use, you know, players and such. And so I think, you know, Michigan has the talent to be able to do that. I mean, they've got the talent across the board to do that whether it's at the quarterback position the running back position the offensive line and now it looks like they even have some options that you know at the wide receiver position especially with roman wilson yeah no they do and i'm just trying to pull, pull up some you you mentioned sort of the uh like I, I not just how like where they're passing not just these these dinking dunk passes but sort of shoot shooting down the field i mean jj's next level like the the downfield shots i mean he had tr tremendous uh, stats uh, yesterday, nine of 10 on passes between 10 and 19 yards down the field. So let's do 10 yard, ten or more yards down the field. He was 12 of 15 uh, with three touchdowns and 100, and I'm trying to do some quick math, 81 yards. So he completed 80% of his passes for 180 yards and three scores when throwing the ball more than 10 air yards downfield, right? So these are not, it's not the Roman Wilson, his first touchdown last year against Hawaii, where it's a screen pass and you have better athletes. So you're just out, out manning them, right? This right. is, this is scheme. This is, this is 
execution, and, and, and it's, it's really high-level stuff. Um, just, just to put a bow on the offense, I did think you and I were talking in the press box yesterday. It did seem maybe we're wrong. Maybe a little bit less burst from Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. I don't – they're both so incredibly talented. It felt like neither of them hit – like like got into a real rhythm yesterday. Again, that was completely the game plan for ECU. But is there any level of concern? Scale of 1 to 10, just quickly, your concern, your concern level, if any. I mean, I would probably put a 5. I was actually more worried about five. Edwards. Yeah, 5 in the sense that, you know, because – I was more worried about Edwards in the sense that, I mean, he talked about adding more weight and I mean, I, it did seem to have an effect on him. Uh, you know, he wasn't as elusive or able to kind of get to that second level as easily a quorum, you know, there's always been, okay. I mean, he got tracked down, you know, a couple of times last year. Um, he doesn't have that, you know, breakaway speed per se. Uh, you know, again, he's, uh, shifty and is able to, you know, cut. And I think that was the most encouraging sign. So I was actually more concerned with Edwards than I was with Quorum because, I mean, you know, you knew, you know, going in with Quorum that you know, he was not some like, you know, burner in, in the sense. Edwards, though, really is. I mean, you looked at Ohio State. I mean, it was like, boom. I mean, that dude, when he hits at the hole, it's, it, you know, it, you know, he can be gone. Uh, but in this case, it didn't look like he had that acceleration quite to the level that he did last year. Could, could be. I just wonder. I mean, he. I mean, it's just he. He hits his second gear once he gets through the line, right? And he just wasn't getting through the line a lot, unless it was sort of those those little pop passes, those jet sweeps where he'd get ten and twelve, and really those were receptions. But agreed, um, the I mean, the running. He 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 was never getting downhill. But I mean, he may not have those. Whole, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, again, the offensive line may not be as good. Maybe they're better, you know, at pass blocking or, you know, which is rare for a college line to be. I mean, but most most linemen obviously prefer to run block. I mean, it's downhill and, um, you know, much easier to do than uh, to create and hold a, you know, hold off a pass rusher. Uh, so, I mean, like. But, you know, it may not be the same offensive line. I mean, like, you know, people are talking about this. You know, those were, you know, awarded the two top offensive lines. Uh, You know, they were awarded, you know, or named the best offensive line the last two years, I should say. And, uh, you know, maybe this year, you know, with all the changes that they've had, uh, it it may not be as equipped to, you know, to pound teams as as they were. And so, I mean, look, I mean, ECU, even though they, they did, you know, you stack the box and try to try to stop the run. They were effective doing it. I mean, so, I mean, and that's a, that's a group of five team. I mean, they're going to face tougher, tougher defensive lines. I mean, even Michigan state, I mean, like, you know, has a, has a, you know, defensive line that um, is probably their strength. I mean, they're front seven. So, I mean, like, you know, they're going to face much tougher, tougher lines. And so like Edwards needs to get to that second level, you know, even if the blocking may not be perfect. All right. I think if I, I mean, I I hesitate to get to get anywhere near concerned with with Michigan's offensive line because, um, and I guess I'm not saying not saying that you were, but, uh, I mean, I mean, for starters, they did not have their offensive line coach there yesterday, right? I mean, that that's no that's no small thing. I mean, Trone Moore. I mean, he he was not there, and that 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 makes a difference. Your position coach being there is is going to make a difference. That's that's one two. They went when it's what we've been talking about the past 15 minutes, right? Michigan was not dedicating all their res- all of its resources to the run. Yes, it did struggle more than it did at times last year to do so, but Blake Quorum still averaged seven a pop, right? Um, and so he, I mean, he's still like th- there were more, there were, I think, three or four times he was tackled for a loss, and I don't know if that happened in the game ever last year. So I, I, I get it was not a- as clean, however. Two of those were backed up very early on the goal line. And and I, a little bit early on, I was like, man, I'm, I'm I'm waiting to see that wiggle. And it wasn't the 21-yard run that did it for me. It wasn't the 37-yard run that did it for me. Quorum had one little – it was sort of like an outside zone, if you remember it. It went to the left side when Michigan was going towards the south end zone. I think it was second quarter. It was an eight-yard run. He was about to cut up and then just hits a little shimmy sidestep and then goes outside and, and got eight yards. It was his first – little time where he didn't like there was no time to think about the move he was making his body just did it 
and and it looked every bit the shimmy and and, and the wiggle that, that he had last year. So I well I, well I know, but I you know again the, the, a lot of that you know uh, the positive average yards per run was attributed to those two runs. I mean you oh, know yeah. Michigan when they're rolling, it's like six seven yards a pop. I mean you're getting in second and three you know, consistently that that's the concern. I mean, and so like, that's what they, I mean, to get the consistency in the run game, I mean, not where you're just, you know, having one or two run that can be very misleading in some ways. The that's average right. no, right. And so I think, you know, that's, that's the concern. I think, you know, that's why I have it at a five because you want to get to that consistency. And I think they would even agree to that, you know, especially the offensive line, and the running backs and such, because that that was the formula the last couple of years as far as it relates to the run game, where they, you know, again, when you watch that Ohio State game in 2021, I mean, it was like boom, 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 boom. I mean, they were just, you know, getting seven, six yards, and they, they were getting favorable down and distance situations. Michigan lives ahead of the chains. Yeah, Michigan has right. lived ahead of the chains the, right. the past two years. And yeah. and you're, you're totally right. When I look at, at rushing numbers, what I typically tend to do is I will take out the two largest, not the two longest runs and the two negative runs, right? Like if a sweep that got went from not minus six or, or a fumble that you lose some yards, take the outliers on. Where did the middle, where did that middle sort of lie and what did that look like? And and in and to your point in this game, uh, Michigan's rushing numbers would, would not have been good, but they have earned the benefit of the doubt from me. Uh, and and sure. with, without, sure. without a coach, with the new faces, with with the fact that Michigan was looking past anyway, I'm I'm not concerned. I would I would have said two. I would have said two on my level of concern. Reiner, we said we're we're so bad at this. We said we, we're like we're going to keep this one to 45 minutes. We're 20 minutes in, and we've only done one of our three things in our first block. Mm-hmm. Let's pick it up. All right, uh, number two, defense. Um, defensive thoughts. Uh, I'm going to just espouse quickly. Uh, they rotated the defensive line like a, like, like it was a hockey line, right? They did complete line rotations. The first line, let's see if we can do this off top. Uh, it was Braden McGregor, Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, and Jalen Harrell. And then, and from, from right to left. And then on, on the next line, it went, uh, it was Kenneth Grant and Cam Good in the middle and Josiah Stewart and Derek Moore on the edge. There we go. Uh, and I thought both lines equally effective. Uh, behind them, the three linebackers rotating, Ernest Hausman, uh, Junior Colson, and Michael Barrett. We'll get your thoughts on them as well. Uh, apparently, I'm just going through the whole defense. And then <laughs> in the secondary, uh, I thought was also, also did very well, uh, even missing two starters in Will Johnson and Rob Moore. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, I'm not surprised that they rotated the defensive line to the extent that they did. I mean, that's usually what teams want to have. They want to have uh, to keep those guys fresh. I mean, obviously, it takes a lot of energy uh, to try to rush the passer. So you want to limit snap counts, especially early in the season when, um, you know, that, that is, it has a cumulative effect over the course of the year. I mean, the wear and tear, you know, of going against uh, – other 300 pound bodies, you know, you know, over time, I mean, that's, you're crashing into guys, you know, uh, 20, 25 to 40 times a game. That's, uh, that, that tends to wear on you. So, I mean, you know, the fact that they have the depth, that defensive line is very encouraging. Um, you know, I thought that they, you know, especially Kenneth Grant was able to get, oh, you know, quite a bit of, you know, or was used in that capacity that Jesse Mentor wanted, which was, you know, the getting that interior pass rush going. Um, and, you know, he had a couple of moments like, uh, you know, as we were talking in the game, I mean, he was the one who caused the pressure that led to the San Russell interception. So, uh, so that was good. Uh, you know, I, I thought this, you know, again, the secondary played well. I, you know, I've always been a fan of San Russell and I just think, you know, he's a, he's a real difference maker for them. And, you know, again, he showed it, um, in, in, on, in the season opener Saturday. So, I mean, um, you know, I think they're solid there. And as far as the, you know, inside the linebackers, I mean, Hausman was a good addition. I mean, he was, you know, extremely good last year as a freshman for Nebraska. He was one of their better defensive players and, you know, he's going to fit in really well. I mean, seems very, smart and dedicated and uh 
you know, it, it just it looked like he kind of made a seamless transition into into Michigan's defense. And, you know, with him and Colson, I think is it's uh, it's a formidable duo. Um, so, you know, overall, I mean, I was I was pretty impressed with the defense. And, you know, I think Jesse Minter was, too. I mean, you know, there'll be things to work on, but, you know, it, it, they were able to limit uh, ECU from doing much damage. I mean, again, ECU was trying to get the ball out quickly. Um, and so that kind of blunted the pass rush or the effect of the pass rush, too. But, you know, again, consider all in all, I thought it was a pretty strong effort. Yeah. And that certainly, I mean, Jesse Minter said it. I mean, he, he knows that that was sort of grinding the gears of uh, of Michigan's defensive linemen who, who were trying to get home and had a renewed emphasis on getting home to the quarterback this year to, to leave game one with no sacks uh, was uh, was not was not what they wanted. However, they were extremely effective. And what's more important than those stats is the fact they gave up zero points when time was on the when there was any time left in the game. But as time expired, the, the field goal went through. So, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, three points on, on the day uh, is is really all all they care about it as well. And I, and I think you singled out uh, sort, sort of the people who, who stood out to me. I mean, Kenneth Grant, uh, the eye test certainly was there. He, he, he had a number of times where he, where he forced some quick throws. You mentioned uh, the one that led to the senior still interception. He graded out as, as Michigan's best defender uh, per pro football focus by a wide margin. He was uh, 85 and a half um, 80, 90 is, is considered elite. And the only player uh, on Michigan's roster who graded out above 90 yesterday, JJ McCarthy. Um, and so, so, Ken, so Kenneth Grant, uh, really, really nice day. Um, and then, and then Mike, Mike Sainer still just nickel. Nickel is such a difficult position. Like I think for my money, it might be the most difficult position on may uh, outside of quarterback in football. Uh, you need to tackle, you need to, you need, you need to be able to rush the passer. You need to be able to support the run. You need to be able to defend the inside pass, the outside pass, understand the leverage, understand how to pass people off. And Mike Sainer still like he just last year was his first time doing it. And it looks like he's been like like he's a fit, like a fourth year vet. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's just so fluid. He just has such a, a good concept and knowledge of the offense. I think he gave up maybe one true reception downfield, and and, and the receiver was called for offensive pass interference, and it went back it went back the other way. Um, and and for Michigan secondary to yes, Mason Garcia. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's a big guy. Eastern Eastern Carolina's quarterback, six five two fifty big arm mobile so he can extend the plays. But, um, but for, for Michigan's defense to limit uh, ECU's passing game to like somewhere around 150 yards for the entirety of the game without last year's freshman, all America, Will Johnson, and without the safety sort of in the back end, Rod Moore, sort of that, uh, that, that, that ranging or uh, yeah, that Roman guy. I mean, <laughs> there's not much more you can do. Like it, it wasn't sexy. There weren't a ton of turnovers. There weren't a ton of sacks there. There, there wasn't a ton of celebration, but I mean, it was just dominance. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to San Ristel, yeah. He reminds me, I don't want to make the direct comparison, but he reminds me of Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, when I was covering Alabama, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick played the star position. And I mean, just really sharp guy. And, you know, same same with San Ristel. I mean, he just he's got a know-how about him. And it's just impressive watching him you know play week in and week out like you said i mean he he's also a very he's actually a talented we didn't see it uh but you know coming off the edge as a blitzer uh i mean he can come you know again has to defend the inside and outside and that you know experience is uh that he has as a receiver is seen in how he he plays i mean he can read routes he knows exactly you know what leverage means uh as a receiver and so uh, seeing it from from the opposite side, I think has really been beneficial to him. Uh, that was one of Harbaugh's brilliant tactical moves was moving him over to yeah. defense, and, and I think that you know it, it, I don't think you, it could be overstated what he means to that defense because uh, I mean he he really holds things down in that secondary. It's true. I I mean that is I. When we get to the to the end of the season, wherever we may be, uh, looking back two years ago, who knows how how important Mike Sainer still will be to the to the entire tra- tra- trajectory of Michigan. And one last thought from me on the on the defense, I think I'd be remiss if I did not mention specifically Keon Sab by name, uh, who who started in place of Rod Moore at safety, and 
I mean, I mean, he was just tremendous. I mean, for, 45 snaps, uh, the most of anybody on the on the defense, four tackles, pass breakup. Uh, I mean, just we we had heard his name a little bit. I mean, more more than I don't want to say a ton, but I don't want to say like he like he like he was came came out of nowhere, right? Like there were some inklings that Keon Sab could be sort of that that guy in the secondary to take another leap. Should there be room for him? But the secondary is so experienced with Rob Moore and Macari Page and uh, and and Johnson on one side and 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 Josh Wallace, even though he's new to this defense, he's a fifth year guy. And Sanders still, it's like where could he fit in? There, there's room for there's room for Keon Sab in this defense. Yeah, I mean, going back a couple of years ago when he was flipped from Clemson, I mean, there was a lot of uh, buzz about him. And so, I mean, the fact is, is that he was a coveted recruit from some major, major power five programs, you know, like Clemson. And so it's uh, um, it's not necessarily a surprise to see him perform well, given what his pedigree was. Agreed. Last third, and I think we can do this one pretty quickly because there's not a ton to it. Uh, this was Jim Harbaugh suspended for three games. Sharon Moore suspended for the first game for just this first game. So uh, Kirk Campbell, normally the quarterbacks coach, called called the offense, uh, and Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, he still called the defenses, but he was sort of operating as head coach as well. Said he needed to sort of, I mean, just keep tabs on more things than usual. Your thoughts about the the coaching carousel and how it was handled? Yeah, I mean, again, I think uh, you know it, it's a it's a strange situation as far as uh, you know how they how they went about it. Um, you know, with having a different uh, you know coach basically each week uh, to do it. But um, in this first run, it, it looked pretty good. I mean, again, I think it you know helped that you know JJ McCarthy that Kirk Campbell who seems to have made a lot, a huge difference as far as he's concerned. And they've obviously formed a good bond. Um, I mean, he was an analyst last year the, and now is the quarterback's coach. And so, you know, him, you know, calling the plays, I'm sure was, you know, beneficial to McCarthy. And then obviously, you know, Jesse Minter, um, you know, is seen as a potential future head coach and, um, you know, had, uh, you know, there was a possibility obviously of going to the NFL this past off season, um, uh, too. So, I mean, and he's got NFL experience, uh, you know, with, like, as you alluded to with the Ravens, um, and, you know, again, he's been, uh, running the defense and, uh, just seems very level-headed and kind of, uh, perfect in some ways for handling something like this on a one-off occasion. So, uh, I thought, you know, again, he did a very good job too. Yeah, and I think, it, I mean, Michigan likely would have been fine regardless. But what what a good, I guess, sort of pathway. Things lined up very well for Kirk Campbell. Like this, the be to be the game. Kirk Campbell calls plays, right? The the pass first guy, the quarterback guy, the guy who works with JJ. For him to be calling plays, uh, the the day that it, it calls for more passing, uh, more would seem to uh, was look to be good. And uh, and the defense. Obviously, didn't miss a beat. Jesse Mitchell was clearly not too distracted with other things. Uh, so, one down, two to go. Um, and but we're not done with coaching talk because while while Jim Harbaugh was not there, he still found a way to sort of be one of the center talking points of of yesterday's game, as he always is. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about in the B block. Uh, there were a lot of statements made by players. We'll discuss. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, the suspension, and every, everything around it uh, as it played out of yesterday's game. You're listening to Hail Yes. Welcome back to Hail Yes. All right, Reiner. Uh, I think Michigan had this planned for the first series, it would have been their first offensive play, yeah. but they were backed up into their own end zone. And so there was no time to get cute. They had to kind of run out of the shadow of their own goalpost, punt it away, get the ball back. And then uh, it was their second offensive drive. Uh, they lined up in, uh, I believe it is called the train formation, all sort of in, in one long row vertically. J.J. McCarthy reaches his right fist up, and pulls the the horn like a like a conductor or like when you honk it, and then that is sort of the signal to the break. Oh, and he's saying they all hold, they all hold up the number four for uh, Jim Harbaugh, their coach. 
and and his old jersey number. JJ pull, pulls the, the 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 handle, whatever, and then they all break off into their formation and in true Michigan fashion, run for three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, but but Reiner, what did you? There, there, there's a lot of thoughts. Obviously, that that made the rounds on every social media platform you can imagine. Uh, your thoughts about Michigan and and their what what they said, just dedicating something or honoring Coach Harbaugh. Well, for one, I thought it would have been funny if they tried to do it at the goal line. They would have been out at the end zone, uh, trying to do it, and possibly in the first or two, first or second row, um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to do that formation. Um, yeah, I just think it was a little bit kind of ridiculous considering this whole, uh, you know, suspension was, you know, self-imposed. So, I mean, is that a, you know, is it, are they trying to free Harbaugh from <laughs> Michigan? I mean, again, for, for putting him in this box, I guess, with, uh, with, with, this, with the suspension. I mean, it just, it, it was a little bit bizarre. And I think a lot of people also thought the same thing. Um, you know, if they weren't, you know, drinking the maize and blue Kool-Aid. And so I think, um, you know, basically, uh, it, it was a little bit much, um, you know, the, you know, he's not, you know, he's, he's allowed to coach the team during the week. I mean, he's only missing game day. Um, it, it looked like they didn't really need, uh, him to kind of supervise the entire operation, uh, for the three and a half hours, four hours on Saturday. Now, I obviously they're they have a strong allegiance to the you know the head coach. I mean, in this case, I mean most players do, but you know the, this was part of a punishment that was uh, handed down by the their own university. So I thought it was a really awkward thing in a lot of ways because again, Ward Manuel, the athletic director. Um, who uh, obviously imposed the suspension. I mean, he was standing there in the press conference uh, and, you know, you've got, you know, JJ McCarthy wearing a free Harbaugh shirt and it's like, well, um, you know, the school imposed the suspension. So, I mean, it's not, I mean, again, you know, people can say it's the NCAA, but you know, this was, this was a effort to try to mitigate potential more, more severe sanctions that could be coming down the line as, as it relates to, you know, Jim Harbaugh and, uh, you know, possibly the university itself. So uh, this was, they were kind of forced to do this in, in a lot of ways. And again, you know, I wrote earlier this week or last week, I should say, uh, about the whole, you know, fact that Ward Manuel is really put between a rock and a hard place. I mean, you risk anti- antagonizing Jim Harbaugh by, you know, keeping him from the game he loves. At the same token, you potentially, you know, if you don't be proactive in this situation and enforce some kind of punishment, you potentially leave yourself open to much more severe sanctions going forward. And I think, you know, that was a really unfortunate situation for him because he was in a no-win situation. Exactly the price. He was, he was in a, he was in a no-win situation. There was, there, there was no clean out. Um, And so he, he, he did what he, what he felt he had to do, but, I think the reaction to Michigan's reaction, I guess, uh, was very partisan and very predictable. Uh, it, it, it goes in line uh, with 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 the party line where wherever you fall. If you uh, think Michigan is annoying and arrogant and elitist and corny, then that's what you think Michigan was doing. And you say, well, like you, you make you make a lot, a lot of. A, there are some valid points to be made. It's like, well, who are who, who are you freeing Jim Harbaugh from, right? I mean, the school imposed imposed the suspension, and it's not like, like, yes, he's saying he didn't do part of it, but he has admitted to some of these uh, to some to the level two violations, right? So you can't say free Jim Harbaugh. Normally, when you're calling for someone to be freed, it's because they're wrongfully in- incarcerated or wrongfully punished, and I don't know that he I- that that he is. However, it's not. I mean, of course. I mean, this is it's. Michigan football, the number two team in the nation, uh, just lost their head coach, one of the most famous, I mean, one of the most famous figureheads in this state, in college football, in the in the, in, in the in American sports. Like, I mean, not like top, top, but he's a big name in American sports, right? Jim Absolutely. Harbaugh, There's no doubt about a, that. He's yeah. a huge, huge name. Uh, and 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 they're gonna support him, right? There's 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 no doubt about it. So 
whether it's a little cheesy or corny or or, or whatever word uh, you want you want to use. I mean, I I don't think uh, I mean it it didn't hurt. I don't I don't know that it hurt anybody. However, there is a little bit. I do I do agree with the sense that. There is some semblance of some tone deafness here, considering I was at a game earlier this calendar year uh, in in Champaign, Illinois, where one Jet Howard wore a shirt that said Free Jawan. And that uh, was, of course, referencing. I'm oh, sorry, I was not in Champaign. That was in Madison, Wisconsin. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, it, it, we, did, we did it too. It was, it was a long road trip. We did Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana all in three mm-hmm. weeks. I apologize. Of course, it was in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and, uh, and, and it was a free Juwan shirt. Because, and, of course, that was referencing when Juwan had the last time Michigan was in Madison, the basketball team. And Juwan Howard smacked uh, an assistant. Uh, on Wisconsin staff in the post game line, uh, because that Juwan did not like that Wisconsin was, or, or that, there, that there was a press up when when they were already up ten, and and that that the, the dogs were not called off, and Juwan took exception to it, and then there's a back and forth, and then Juwan strikes someone. Right, Michigan does hand down a punishment, and then the next year, they're 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 wearing a, a free Juwan shirt, and so I guess the point is this. Michigan can't always be right, right? Like eventually no human, no human, no entity, no everything is always right. And to always be playing the victim or always be saying, see, look, see, look, it just, it eventually it falls on deaf ears. Sometimes it comes across as, I don't know about disingenuous, but just you, you run out of energy when it happens time and time again. Right. And, uh, you know, it also, you know, detracts, I guess, from, you know, the team itself, which again, this whole situation in a lot of ways does with, you know, and, and, that, and I've written about this before, but, you know, Jim Harbaugh sucks up the oxygen and, you know, this team is number two in the, con- you know, country uh, looks like they have a real good shot at, you know, competing for the national title. And yet we're talking about this and it's just like, um, it's really unfortunate in a lot of ways because the, the focus should be on the team and the players, JJ McCarthy doing really well, you know, this defense that looks really solid and it's just, you know, uh, and yet, you know, even McCarthy's wearing, a, you know, the free Harbaugh shirt. And so it just takes away from what, you know, the rest of everybody's doing and, you know, Harbaugh wasn't even there for that game. And it's just like, uh, it, it's just amazing to me that, uh, you can't talk about Michigan, uh, without you know Jim Harbaugh being there, even when Jim Harbaugh isn't there, <laughs> and 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 there you have it, right? And I and because what, what what I can already hear the response to this, right? What people will say is like, "Well, you're the ones talking about it, right? No one's talking about it. You, the media, are talking about it." Well, first, I would say we're trying to do our best in the A block. We did everything, breaking down the entirety of the game, right? We're starting with the X's and O's because we're here to talk about football. However. We are not the ones making public displays with formations, with shirts, with with hand gestures, all all, all clearly drawing attention to something that we're going to ask about that you can then either talk about or not talk about, which has gone in circle. You, you know what I mean? It's like, and, and let me, here's a dirty secret. I don't want to, journalism is not just driven by the numbers. We don't, it's not clickbait, like that's not what we're here for. However, there is a business model to this, right? And you do need to write things that people are going to read. I <laughs> go look at the numbers over the last 20 or over the last 3 months of when when it's a Jim Harbaugh suspension story and everything else. It's mm-hmm. I mean, that's what people read about. So you can't say so like whoever you is like someone listening to this, please don't say well like you're the one making it a deal, you're the one talking. No, 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 no. P- people are reading it. So it is our job to talk about it. Well, obviously, and, you know, again, J.J. McCarthy's T-shirt was a conversation starter. What else was it? I mean, and yeah. so. He turned a jersey around, yeah. put a piece of tape over it, and then yeah. and then he put it back on for the post-game press conference, right? He, right. Wore, it, he wore it off the bus, puts his jersey on, and then, I mean, he's. Exactly. And, yeah. and this is not an indictment. This is not a knock on J.J., right? Like, I, I already can see people taking this in other places, right? But it's just like, just call a spade a spade. Well, and and again, I mean, it's a, I think it's unfortunate because again, the the focus should be on the game and the team. And honestly, it the if we were writing this, you know, and none of that happened, the whole Harbaugh thing would be mentioned as like an aside. 
oh yeah, by the way, he's suspended, you know, but now this becomes the story uh, instead because, you know, the, the quarterback who had an 87% completion percentage threw for 280 yards and three touchdowns goes into the post-game press conference with, you know, a free Harbaugh shirt and, you know, before the game was obviously wearing that as well. And so, uh, you know, he clearly wanted people to talk about that. And so that kind of detracts from, uh, the, you know, the conversation about, uh, the game itself and, you know, the performance of the players, uh, who made it happen. Eventually we will move, move beyond this, right? Like there will be a week seven of this college football season. Harbaugh will have been ba- back for three weeks or whatever. Sure. And, 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 and then we'll be, and then we'll, we'll be looking at that. But I think in week two, it could be, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to try to do this. I think this is probably, oh, like, no, no. Ideal. I mean, you would think that they wouldn't do that. Um, you know, cause again, it, it would look even more ridiculous, I think in that situation too. So uh, hopefully this will be the end of that. And, you know, when he comes back, you know, for the Rutgers game uh, in week four, um, that'll be the last of that too. I mean, so uh, we'll, we'll see, but I mean, I, I just thought, it was kind of it was kind of ridiculous and and frankly awkward uh, for them to for them to do this with with Ward standing in the corner. Um, yeah, I mean, and not, and the reality not, that JJ McCarthy walks past Ward Manuel, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Matt walking past the person who handed down the punishment and that you are saying you disagree with the punishment. It's like walking past a judge and and, and calling for some like disagreeing with, with what well, they did. Especially there. when that person's part of the university that you play for. I mean, he's a, he's the lead figure in the athletic department. So, I mean, again, it, it was kind of ridiculous because it, because it wasn't in, imposed from outside of Michigan. It was imposed by Michigan. And so that's, that's why it was again, awkward and frankly, ridiculous. Yeah, but I wanted to put a ball on it, but I want to give one last thought. I think if if we had really got them to elaborate, what they're saying is they're not saying free Jim Harbaugh from Michigan suspension. It's free him from this NCAA jurisdiction, this ridiculous investigation that's been looming over our head when worse things happen elsewhere. That's I I, I think that's where they'd put it. And and that's where we'll we'll, we'll just leave it because. That's that's not who handed down the punishment. Um, hopefully that's where we can leave that. And then after we come back, it is where we will leave week one. We will give our final thoughts. Uh, I received a couple emails. I thought that people were, <laughs> were going to be very excited about what they saw, a few not. Um, so we'll, we'll talk some people off the ledge. And uh, then it's on to week two. So you'll be right back uh, with Hail Yes. All right, time to put a bow on week one. So Michigan, yes, the final score was 30-3. to uh, That's just a 27-point win. Uh, I think the Vegas line closed at 36, I want to say. It went from 34.5 to 35, kept creeping up, closed somewhere around 36. No matter where you got it, Michigan did not cover. Um, and I had some people, I don't know, I don't know if, <laughs> if they were the gamblers of the world, I imagine some of them were, but uh, a few of the – a couple emails I got in the last 24 hours just regarding the game said uh, I, one specifically that I'm thinking about was in response to my grades, right? I gave, I gave, uh, I gave uh, an A minus uh, to the defense, uh, a B plus to the offense, an A to the coaching uh, special teams. I knocked C plus because they missed an extra point, missed a field goal. I actually probably should have been a little harder on them, frankly. Um, but, but that's not terribly important for now. Uh, but Michigan fans in my, in my email were just completely <laughs> disagreeing. We're like, I mean, I mean, it was chicken little, the sky is falling because, uh, the, the, the offensive line wasn't getting pushed and they had talked all year about how they were going to start sacking the quarterback. There wasn't a single sack. And I knew as soon as Jake Moody left, we were going to be missing kicks left and right. And I just, I think now is a good time for for a temperature check, little pulse check, because we are one weekend, and if people are losing are losing it uh, after what was a, just just a complete dismantling, then Reiner, we're in for a long season. Yeah, I, I think you know you have to take a step back and look at how, you know how the game was played. I mean, the ECU never threatened 
Michigan and Michigan kind of had its way, you know, in the first half outside of that first series that looked pretty terrible with the, you know, the three straight runs that, you know, gained zero yards and where they were backed up against the goal line. But uh, outside of that, I thought, you know, Michigan played a pretty, you know, solid game. And, you know, again, JJ McCarthy was near flawless and, uh, that was extremely encouraging. I wouldn't be discouraged by it. Uh, I would be a little bit, not a little bit, I actually would be concerned about the special teams with the, you know, that I, I do think the kicking game is something to, you know, uh, uh, have some doubts about, especially, I mean, again, you know, Jake Moody was as, as money as you can get um, as far as, uh, you know, performance uh, week in and week out. Um, and, you know, if you get into a game like you did last year against Illinois, you know, that, that's where, you know, he, he becomes a huge factor, uh, the, the kicker. And so uh, they need to get that uh, ironed out. Um, and, you know, they've had years where they didn't have good kicking. I mean, when Quinn Nordine was there and was real inconsistent, um, in fact, that was early on in Moody's career too. So, like, that is something that would be, uh, a little bit worried about because you know they're going to face tougher teams and they could be in some tight battles where you know they may not be able to close in the red zone and so they're going to have to they're going to have to kick field goals and so that's uh, uh, that that is something I would be a little bit worried about. Right. Well, I, I hear you. I hear you in, in that sense. But just for the record, there was nobody who was going to come in here and do what Jake Moody did, right? Like, I mean, I mean, whoever James, like whoever was James Turner, whoever ended up being James Turner was walking into an impossible task. So that's number one. Um, I mean, I mean, Jake Moody is not, is the best kicker in the winningest program in college football history, right? In like 130 years, it's just going to be very hard to replicate that. But um, so knowing that you will inherently take a slight step back, I think, yeah, the extra point that that was tough. And I think it just showed life after Moody, like 147 of 147 on extra points, right? Even that, like just all the things you took for granted. So you're right. It's not going to be perfect. But if you saw that 50 yarder that he hit, I mean, there was room to spare. Now the 52 yarder in, in, in the fourth quarter was, was a bad miss. He tugged it well left, but he had never hit from, uh, from more than 49 before yesterday. And so my concern, but, but he's very accurate. I mean, last year, 20 of 22, right? 91%. That was more accurate than Jake Moody. And to go one of two on 50 yarders, Jake Moody was not much better than 50% from, from 50 plus range, right? So it, the, the PAT was, let's, let's just say that's the only one he misses this year because I think he's only missed one other in his career. I, sh- I should have looked that up before I said it aloud. Um, but then, I mean, you got a kicker with a leg. You got one who hit from 90-some percent. I He, he was not going to be uh, um, Jake Moody. So I'm actually slightly encouraged with what I saw from James Turner. Does that make sense? I guess. But, I mean, again, I think this position is very psychological. And, you know, again, kicking for Louisville and kicking for Michigan is different. I mean, the fans, you know, again, will, like you say, kind of jump, you know, go to the cliff. Uh, you know, something is even, uh, you know, slightly wrong. And, right. you know, they'll start, you know, saying, you know, rash pronouncements about anything that's bad. And so, like, you know, think of it as if you're a kicker. And so, like, I mean, I remember when Nordine was, you know, here, I mean, like, you know, Michigan fans were going crazy uh, with him, you know. And so it's it's a whole new ball game when you're, pl- you know, playing for Michigan, you're playing for these elite programs and kicking. I mean, I saw it at Alabama. They couldn't get a kicker for a you know, for years, I mean, they were always going through the and guys that were like, you know, uh, handpicked by Chris Saylor, uh, you know, who's like the kicking guru. I mean, these guys were considered the best in the country and they would go to Alabama and they would be like, uh, you know, overwhelmed. Are they just the performance issues would, would arise? And that's why somebody like, you know, Jake Moody was such a, uh, I guess a hidden asset in some ways. I mean, the fact that, uh, and I don't think people really understand how valuable he was, uh, because, you know, he was able to handle the pressure and it is, it's a very psychological position. And so we just don't know. And that, and so that raised some doubts and concerns as far as I was concerned. I mean, the missed extra point weird, uh, you know, it doesn't usually happen, but again, he's kicking in a whole different ball game with, you know, with, with Michigan when, when they're playing. And so it's, it's, uh, you know, a hundred thousand see, you know, p- people, you know, watching you, it, it's, there's 
there's pressure even in moments that you wouldn't even seem like there's pressure. Yeah, no, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. And Mission, I mean, I'm, I'm I was debating on how I'm going to do my stopwatch after this, and James Turner was one of the names I did have on trending down just because he kicked two two of the times he tried to kick, it did not go between the uprights, and that's not good. Um, but but I I say that out of one side of my mouth, and out of the other side of my mouth, I say I I, I do see. Um, I, I do see pl- plenty to like with, with his like, um, but we just, that, that was a wonderful kicking deep dive that we did, but, but really why people were concerned was, um, was just that it was 27 points, right. That Michigan wasn't running the ball. Well, uh, well to, to the, to their standards, I use air quotes around well, but I just, one more little deep dive into, into actually looking at the numbers. And it was, it was just, it was a masterclass. Um, I mean, when they called off the dogs at the end of the third quarter, uh, Michigan had 25 first downs. ECU had five. Michigan had tripled the yards. And other than that first drive that you alluded to when they were backed up and Kirk Campbell was not going to get a safety on his, on his first drive, they weren't, they, they just wanted to get it out of their own end zone. Right. After that, they scored on five straight drives. It was three touchdowns, then a field goal as time expired in the first half, that 50-yarder that we mentioned, and then a touchdown to a 12-play 75-yard drive to begin the the third quarter. It would have been a sixth straight score, but from third and and goal on the one, uh, Donovan Edwards got stuffed on on an attempted goal line run. I think they just wanted to get him in the end zone. Normally, that would be Kalel Mullings. I was a little surprised that it wasn't Mullings in the short yardage. Um, That's just for one thing, although... Dino and Edwards tried to jump up and over. So maybe they thought it was like a yard and a half. Um, and then on fourth and goal, JJ McCarthy fumbled the ball. So, uh, but they were one yard away from, from their sixth straight possession. And then after that, uh, the, the, the starters left the game. So, and, and if you look elsewhere, right, Ohio state didn't look great. Georgia didn't look great. Those are the top three teams in the country. And so I think just, maybe just relax. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, again, considering, uh, I mean, again, what they what they were able to do on offense uh, was encouraging. I thought what they were able to do on defense, considering that I, you know, they didn't get a sack, or you know, they were still able to shut that team down and look like they were fast sideline to sideline, uh, being able to shut down uh, ECU uh, pretty much until the very end. Obviously, with the field goal, uh, it was uh, yeah, it, it, it was a. Uh, overall a very strong performance and i don't know how you have much to quibble with i mean aside from i would be just you know concerned about the special teams just in the sense that again it was so it was it was almost taken for granted last year and clearly that's not going to be the case necessarily this year i mean it was by the end of the year it was finally not taken for granted right it was that illinois game where yeah. i mean where he where he literally saved the day Mm-hmm. And everyone was, I mean, and Harbaugh anointed him. What, what do you, what do you say? Superstar status or Michigan, mm-hmm. like uh Michigan legend. Whatever. I don't know. Legend, yeah. yeah. Whatever. He, he used mm-hmm. a, a legendary status, legendary yeah. status. I think is what it was. Um, all right. And uh, as uh, I, I see in this, we have a little side message uh, as, as we record this podcast and I see, uh, our editor and uh, producer of this podcast, Andrew Burkle, brought up a great point. If your biggest concern is kicker, you're in pretty good shape. So, uh, just want—I'd agree. Want, with just that. Want, yeah, just wanted to let him get that thought in. And next week, we're going to hear more from him uh, when we do our pre—not next week, later this week when we preview week two. We'll hear more from him when we get in, in our final segment when we get into the picks. Reiner, I'm one-on-one on our picks right now from last week. I think you are as well. Is that right? The third game is LSU yeah. Florida State tonight. Is that the rubber match? I think so, yes. And, uh, yeah, I was I was shocked by the TCU-Colorado result. I really was. I didn't think that that was going to happen at all. And, uh, you it's know. Dion kept the receipts, Reiner. Yes, he didn't. exactly. He did keep the receipts. I guess he was. He, he listened to the podcast. <laughs> that's right i'm yes i'm sure i'm sure we were the the his main source of fuel nothing else um all right uh next time you hear from us we will be previewing unlv versus michigan unlv was a big winner over bryant i think the final score was 44 to 14 in the in in odom's uh coaching debut for for unlv um but before we get out of here 
a little bit of, of, of housekeeping to do. We've got tons of thanks to give out our editor-in-chief, Nicole Avery Nichols, executive editor, Anjanette Delgado, sports, sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, our audio producer, Robin Chan, uh, the producer of this podcast, and our sports editor, Andrew Burkle, of course, to Reiner. Uh, and then the listeners, thank you so uh, so far. We've actually had some pretty good feedback. I've had I've had uh, some very positive comments, uh, even a few positive comments in the in the podcast thread. So if you can, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Spotify, we're getting on YouTube soon. Please rate, review, subscribe, share it. It only takes a few seconds. I'm going to keep saying it every time. It's it's like we're obligated to do this. If you have a podcast, you have to say all the things. Um, but please do it. It really helps. And then that's all I got, Reiner. Do we have anything else? No, I think that, I think you covered it. And uh, it should be uh, interesting to see what happens in uh, week two. You know, they always say that that's when the team improves the most. So we'll see if that is indeed the case with Michigan. Yes, we will. And Jay Harbaugh will coach the first half. Running backs coach Mike Hart will coach the second half. And we will be there for all of it. So as always, uh, stay locked to freep.com. And have a good day. Thanks for listening.